Hey, this is Doug from Cohill, and you're listening to Beyond the Static. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Static. I am your host, D-Wayne. First things first, I want to give a huge shout out to those of you listening on our newest platform, Verbal. Welcome to the Beyond the Static family. On this episode, I chat with Doug Heiser, the founder of Cohill, an online collaborative project of some of the premier post-hardcore bands on the Toronto scene. He just released the debut EP, Volume 1, maybe next year. 
Uh, it's a fantastic album, um, one of my favorites so far. Definite like sales and vibes on that. If you're into that, go check out the album, and you can check out my review of that album on www.beyondthestaticpodcast.tk. You can also sign up for my mailing list and follow my social media on Instagram and Facebook. It is Beyond the Static Podcast. On Twitter, it is BTS Podcast for some additional content. Before we get into the episode, here is a message from our sponsor, Anchor. Doug from Cohill. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, very good. So uh, why don't you start out, tell us a little bit about the project. It seems like a very, a very interesting concept. Um, how, how did you get hooked up with everybody and, and, and make that, um, make all those connections and, and things? Uh, yeah, so starting, I guess, with the first part of the question, what is what is the project? What is Cohill? So for anyone listening that may not be familiar, um, Cohill is a, I guess, what I describe as like a virtual band music project that I started during COVID. Uh, I am really the only true member. Um, however, each song features different vocalists. Um, I had a drummer that helps uh play across all the tracks and it was uh uh really just an online collaborative uh uh group that uh brought this ep to life and um yeah i'm gonna i've got five tracks out right now i'm gonna be doing more down uh, in the future but uh it was fun and uh i'm glad it could come to life awesome so what made you want to go uh what made you go that route other than like, obviously like we couldn't play out, but what made you go that route of just um, making it like a digital band and only like online and stuff like that, rather than the traditional put a band together and go out and play? For sure. It it really stems from, I guess, kind of where I am in life. I'm, kind of, I'm in my 30s right now. Um, I've got a very stable job, like a lot of responsibilities. However, I'm huge into music. I love the alternative music scene. Um, it's like, it's my biggest passion, biggest hobby. Um, so would I have loved to have like your, your traditional band of a, a singer, bass player, drummer for sure. Um, but I also recognize that other people have different goals, different aspirations when they start in music. So, um, I didn't want to hold anyone back by starting this band. Like if like recording the project, recording all the songs, and I didn't want to be a guy that was like, well, I can't tour because I've got a nine to five. I've got a family that I got to take care of and, and hold up other band members. So this is really a way for a music project to exist um, where I didn't need to hold anyone back and, and vice versa. No one, I get to let it in. I get to operate it at my own pace and, and free will. So a bit of a, bit of a control freak in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all got a little bit of that in us. Um, so how'd you hook up with everybody? I know like it's a, uh, you are, am I, did I, m- Toronto, right? Is that where you're from? Toronto, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Toronto, Canada. And I know you guys have a, have a really good, uh, good scene up there in Canada. Um, so are these just people that you, you knew? Um, if I recall correctly, there were some pretty, um, some pretty solid names in here. Yeah. So everyone it's kind of through a six degrees of separation kind of thing. Um, I knew I wanted to, the vocalists, I wanted to get involved. I wanted them to come from bands and have some uh, 
noteworthiness to them, make it interesting to potential listeners out there. So um, the first person I got on board was Tyler from the band Saving Vice. Um, and I got connected with him because I know the guy that runs uh, the promotions for that Scene Daddy uh, page that's on Instagram. If you're familiar oh, really? with him. Yeah. So I, I know the guy that does the promotions and I was talking to him, telling him what I was trying to do. And he's like, oh, hey, well, that sounds really cool. I know this guy, Tyler from the band Saving Vice. Like, this sounds like something he might be into. Uh, let me message him for you. And so he, he reached out to Tyler and Tyler was down and he was the first person I got on board. Uh, he also made the connection to Sean from devil in the details for the song he's on. Um, two of the other vocalists, uh, were connections from the producer. Uh, so Simon from in case we crash is a local Toronto guy. Um, Jason, who also performs on the song one year later is actually the singer in the producer's band Nightwell. Um, and then, uh, the Scott Barnes feature from, uh, the vocalist from in fear and faith. He is a good friend of the mastering engineer uh who did who mastered the the tracks in the album so i had him make the connection reach out to him for the the bridge feature he did uh and then uh two of the contacts so hayden on the from tiger wine i just reached out to him on facebook um I, I knew his band and i thought he would do a sick job on that song and so i just slid into his dm so to speak and it's like hey man I'm, this is what i'm doing i got I sent him the demos like i think you could sound really sick on this song it's it's kind of like your band, but not like your band. And uh, he, he fired back in like five minutes being like, yeah, man, so down. Um, and same with, uh, did the same sort of thing with uh, the singer in the band Rival Town. Um, although he's also Canadian, so we had a lot of mutual friends. So wasn't as much of a cold, uh, cold reach on uh, Facebook, but uh, uh, still, sit in, still sit into Mike's DMs as well. So uh, are you all of the lyrical inspiration behind it too or did each guy write their own lyrics to your music no i uh i had no involvement on lyrics other than maybe like uh screening some word choice like once they hand, handed me like their lyrics it's like oh maybe maybe we rephrase this or that or uh fix this part here that was really all my involvement was just kind of like an editor almost but i wanted everyone to have like their creative control creative input um from their point of view, mainly because I didn't want to stifle any any creativity or any feeling in the vocal delivery. Uh, I really believe that if, if someone's writing the lyrics, when they give their performance, there's that much more conviction and, and passion behind the voice and the performance takes that they're giving. Did you like give them any like, um, like prompts? Like, uh, this is what I was thinking about when I wrote this song, or this is like, you know, kind of what I thought was the theme of this song and let them run off of that? Or was it all just like, dude, do what you do? Honestly, it was, uh, there, there was one artist who kind of asked for a little bit of inspiration. So Simon just kind of said, hey, kind of just, just throw me like a, a broad theme. And um, uh, and we gave him a very topical theme of like old COVID, like feeling trapped and, and stuff. And that's where like all, a lot of his lyrics are like, well, the hook is like, maybe next year we can finally get the fuck out of here. And so it's like, it's very related to like being in quarantine, lockdown, uh, which we were going through a lot of last year, especially in Canada. We were very locked down in Toronto. Um, but legit for the others, they, they really went with whatever they are vibing. Um, Sean from Devil in the Details, the, uh, the, the file I saved his song at, as was called Warning, 
uh, warning, do not eat your fortune, which came from a fortune cookie I had. Uh, so I, I labeled it after a fortune cookie I ate that day when writing the song. Um, and then he really played off that idea of warning red flags in a relationship type thing. So he picked up some inspiration, I guess, just from the, what I saved the song as when it went to him, but, uh, everyone else really just did their own thing, which was awesome. And everyone really delivered on the lyrics. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I said like in the review, like you jumped right out, like smack you right in the mouth with warning. And, uh, it was like a great, like, cause I, I remember I had heard the, um, edge of collapse you know um uh audrey had sent that to me a while back and did a little write up and then i heard the whole thing and i was not expecting that to jump out at me and uh, you know the like the ordering of the songs did you like have it intentionally like flow make the ep flow a certain way or was it just kind of like how it you know how it came out like um how am i trying to say this like you were just like, okay, this, I got these songs first and that's just how it goes or, or how did that work out? Yeah. Uh, there is a little bit of like strategy behind it. Um, j- just stuff I've picked up from other podcasts, like music business podcasts with digital release strategy. Um, the thing I, so three of the songs of the five songs EP uh, came out ahead of singles. So um, l- listening online to what other artists interviews, a lot of people say, put the unreleased songs at the front uh, because those will get listened to more. And as you're trying to push the new songs, um, you keep them at the top of the album and let them discover the old songs later. Cause a lot of people have already heard those versus if you put the older songs up front, they might get to them and be like, Oh, I heard all this stuff already. I'll just, I'll just skip the EP. Um, so there's a bit of just strategy that I've picked up from what our other artists are doing. Um, so really it just left me to, pick and choose between the song warning and ghosts. What did I want to lead off the, uh, the EP with? And like you said, warning just comes in with a smack. And, uh, I was like, you need to grab listeners right away. And that's the song to do it. I, um, speaking of ghosts, I heard like very like Seussian vibes on that. Like how, like what were some of the inspirations, uh, for, for that song, I guess for the EP altogether. Yeah, Seosin is definitely a huge influence of mine. Um, and that's that's one that gets picked up in a lot of songs. Um, so I'd say the artist I was jamming a lot last year to kind of get some instrumental influence was definitely Seosin, uh, Funeral Funeral for a Friend, uh, Silverstein, Hawthorne Heights, The Used, uh, just kind of like those early 2000s post-hardcore alternative bands. Like I had those albums on repeat. Um, and you can definitely hear a lot of those influences creeping around different songs, uh, armor for sleep. Another one I, I pulled from a lot of from first to last. So the, those two thousands warp tour style bands were just uh, pinnacle. And I kind of went in with that mindset of how do I, this, this older sound is like my, my favorite era of music. It's what I jam on the regular. How do I do something that's grounded in that, but that has some more modern flair, modern vibe and feel to it. So that was always the goal. Yeah, dude, I still jam on all of that stuff. I was listening to um, uh, the used self-titled album, like literally like three days ago. And that came out when I was in high school, like a junior in high school. And I'm 36 now. And I still listen to a lot of that stuff on the regular. 
That was definitely like yeah, the best time for our genre, you know. Yeah, and the funny thing for me is all all those bands like I didn't really discover them until like later, like in the 2010s is when I really started listening to those bands. So I was a little bit behind of when they were really tearing it up on like tours and and popularity. So I, I unfortunately, there's a lot of those bands that I've never been able to see live because I got into their music after they had disbanded or broken up or what have you. What do you think accounted for that? Um, what were you listening to at the time that they were big and how did you make that transition? Yeah, so uh, when I first really got into music and actually following it, it really started with uh, Linkin Park and pop punk. So uh, when I was in middle school, pop punk was all the rage. Blink-182 was everywhere. Some 41 in Good Charlotte were huge, especially being up here in Canada. So that was really the first style of music that I started following and and being aware of and paying attention to what releases were coming out. And then in high school, which was kind of that early 2000s era, instead of being into that alternative scene, I was more into bands like uh, Breaking Benjamin, Three Days Grace, Chevelle. So I was more following like that hard rock scene at that time, um, which I mean, I still love today. But I'm like, looking back, I'm like, man, I should have got into that, like, quote unquote, emo style music <laughs> earlier. Two things on that. One uh, fun fact. Some 41 was actually the first uh, band that I saw, like first big band that I saw live, like Warped Tour, like yeah. 2001. I convinced my mom to buy me a ticket for my birthday because it was like the day after my birthday. I saw them, I uh, saw Some 41, geez, uh, when would this have been? Like 2018 or 2019, they played like a huge like stage outside here in Toronto and uh, Grandson opened for them. It was a sick show. Dude, you... You know, actually, one of my favorite shows that I've gone to was up in Toronto. I went to Riot Festa maybe like five, six years ago up there with like Billy yeah. Talent. Um, they had like, yeah, it was like Billy Talent, Take It Back Sunday, brand new, Circus Survive. Jeez, uh, I saw City in Color, Rise Against. It was such Ooh. a huge show. Like, it was such a good show. A lot of those alternative festivals didn't really come to us. Uh, I guess with the exchange rate, all, all those artists cost more. But uh, yeah, Riot Fest was coming here for quite a bit. Um, so I hope it comes back uh, in the future. You just mentioned it made an interesting um, observation, especially now, I guess, with the times that we're in. And it's hard to like cross back and forth um, because I, I think the Canadian restrictions are a lot tougher than the American restrictions. So uh, what kind of, are there a lot of bands that are like really well-known in Canada, just ripping it up up there that we just don't get a chance to hear down here because like, you know, because they're just like that, that crossover isn't, isn't as, as available as, as we would like it to be. The one that comes to mind, you, you said their name, like Billy Talents, like, here they play arenas they play stadiums or they play like the, the hockey like ten thousand cap rooms here like they're massive and i know they're massive over in europe um but they're they don't really resonate in the states as well so uh they don't really tour in the u.s that much i, I couldn't even tell you last time they they did a u.s tour at all but even when they do they're playing rooms that are a fraction of the size than they do in canada and uh, over in europe uh, so they're one that I view as like a huge, um, that 
in uh, certainly from the alternative scene, like the biggest gap from uh, room size. Um, but I do find like in general, like our alternative scene bands translate pretty well. Like you think bands like Silverstein, um, they play pretty big rooms in the States. Seaway uh, is pretty big in the States. Um, so yeah, I'd say the alternative scene is very receptive of uh, the Canadian bands when they come stateside. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of uh, radio indie bands that are really just big in Canada that really don't make a splash in the States. Like we have this band up in Canada called the, the Arkells, which are absolutely massive. Again, playing amphitheaters, stadiums, wherever they go. And they don't tour the U.S. And if they did, they'd be playing maybe 300, 400 cap rooms at that, which is still really big. But you're huge disparity uh, when you're playing amphitheaters and arenas in, the, in uh, Canada. Yeah, like, so it's funny, like one of um, one of the Canadian bands that I think they're down here, they're like sort of a cult like phenomenon like if you know them you know them and like if you know people that know them it's like few and far between so it's an instant like bond is a boys night out they are to me they're just like phenomenal yeah those guys they are also a bit of like almost maybe a niche band and like in post-hardcore like uh yeah they they definitely uh those guys are really sick. I just bought uh, one of their vinyls that they just repressed recently. Um, but again, uh, they, their heyday was ahead of when I was really into the alt scene. So they, they definitely have a cult following people that know them, love them and absolutely worship what they put out. Let me ask you this about uh, your plans. I know you said you got more, you're working on more music and having things come out. Um, and I know like you won't be touring because of, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you can't tour because of uh, a lot of things, but are you going to be playing like even like one-off shows here and there or playing in your own town, things like that? you have any um, plans for any kind of performance or like a music video or anything like that? Yeah, I definitely love to do at least like one or two shows a year, at least. Um, the, the producer that uh did the record um pretty much his whole band was involved in some fashion with uh this ep so his drummer is the guy who that drummed on all my tracks his singer did a bridge on one year later um the, he played bass on a lot of the songs and added some guitar so uh, we've often talked about when his band does a show um we'd also do a co-hill set so um have his vocalist learn all the songs uh, from a vocal performance standpoint and then have their guitarists come in and do the second guitar parts. Uh, so yeah, we're definitely talking about how we can do like a co-hill set once, twice a year, um, which would be really sick. Um, and then, yeah, maybe like some other, like there's a, quite a few cities around Toronto where we could easily do like, Oh, we'll play three nights in a row with in neighboring cities. Um, so definitely thinking about stuff like that for sure. Nice. You also curate a pretty popular playlist on Spotify. Am I right? Uh, yeah. So I've, I've got like a, uh, a new music type channel where I, or on, this is on Instagram, uh, a new music type page where uh, I basically run and promote playlists uh, for like alternative genres. So I've got like a pop punk playlist, a metalcore playlist, and kind of like a blended playlist. Um, 
And yeah, I just do music updates and plug underground bands that I've added and try and get people to follow them, listen to them. Uh, well, of course, also promoting my my own music in those playlists as well. Do you um, do anything else in the musical sphere as as far as like um, like promoting or booking or like things of that nature? Uh, not at the moment. When I uh, I kind of had my hand in a bunch of pots, so there's a period where I was like booking tours for bands, booking shows for bands as like a, a small agent type thing. Um, I did that for a few years. Um, and then uh, a number of years ago, I was also doing uh, shows in Toronto. So I was working with uh, one of the promoters up here, uh, booking local talent for uh, just local show nights, as well as like the local openers for the touring packages that would come through. So I was pretty involved for a number of years. And then once once life started getting in the way, working bigger jobs, bigger careers, it just became too much to juggle working a nine to five and then going to do a, a show for six hours until midnight uh, in the evening. So I kind of had to cut a lot of the uh, the side hustles, if you'll call it that, with music um, to focus a bit on my career. Um, but then it's been good uh, to use COVID as an excuse to get a bit more serious with musical projects again. So again, jumping back to like what I was saying earlier, it's something I get to work at on my own pace. Um, pick up the guitar a bit between the workday, record some demo ideas, and um, yeah, just release music when I'm ready for it. Yeah, that's uh, actually, I have to credit COVID a lot for um, kind of the rejuvenation of of this podcast. Um, you know, Ooh. I did a couple episodes years ago, and then I just kind of put it away, and then, you know, I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, uh, like probing the idea and then COVID hit and I was just like, fuck it, let's do it. And now it's just kind of like yeah. taking on a life of its own. You know, it's like, I'm not reaching out to, I don't even have time to reach out to bands anymore. Like I'm like fielding requests, which is like, like, I'm not like a big podcast or anything, but even that for me, it's just like, holy shit. Like COVID really turned my whole, this mm. whole project around, you know? great to hear like you found like your like your passion again in the podcasting through COVID like especially like it's been a tough year and a half now coming on to two years and I think it's helped people reevaluate like what's important to them like what they need in their life like whether it's be creative or family or what have you so um yeah it really really helped me get back into music you know it's funny too that you um that you mentioned that uh one year later was a uh, was was uh, COVID about COVID because um, for whatever reason that song hit me like in a different way. I'm pretty sure, like I think that's my favorite one on the EP, and it hit me in a different way, and I totally related to it, but not at all on a level of like being stuck in a pandemic for 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 a long time but um you know i think that's really cool when when people write write lyrics that you know everyone can interpret their own way and then you like you find out what it's really about and you're like oh i was way off the mark on that but <laughs> you know yeah that's that's definitely what i like so like he took the, the theme of it and the lyrics are like they're broad stroke enough that you, you can relate to it in any way, whether like 
people can be like stuck in a job and feeling like they need to get out of like a terrible work environment or they're stuck in a shitty relationship or uh, the actual theme where he, we, he took inspo from was stuck in COVID, stuck in quarantine. Uh, so yeah, the lyrics can relate to a number of things people go through in life. Yeah. So um, I talk about this quite a bit on, on this podcast. Um, you know, I, uh, I have a year and some change sober. So like that totally, like even the title was like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> like one year later, like, and like how I felt like a year ago is just like, it, 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 it hits on so many chords, you know? And congrats on that achievement. That's a big milestone. I appreciate it. Um, so do you have a, do you have a favorite song? Another question. Did you have one that was your favorite going in and then like another one is your favorite coming out? Uh, I think one year later is probably my favorite one too. I think, uh, I think it's one of the best like guitar lines that I have, uh, in the EP and just the melody I find is just super strong. Um, and again, there's just a lot of relate relatability to the lyrics. Um, but yeah, the, the cool thing about the project is because each song is kind of grounded in post-hardcore, but with the, the way each vocalist added their own inspiration, some are like Tyler's song, Edge of Claps, is pretty metalcore-y, very Silverstein-y. Um, Ghost is a little bit pop-punky, almost like a movement song. So depending on each listener, depending on what way their personal taste, everyone you talk to has a different favorite song, which I find is awesome. That it's not like I put out a five track EP and everyone's got the same favorite song and there's just one, one banger on it and the rest are like fluff. It's no, like you talk to different people, everyone's loving a different song, which I think is so cool about it. Yeah. It's funny. Like, like I heard a different thing, like edge of collapse made me think of like a day to remember. And, uh, I think it's funny that you mentioned movements too, because I was listening to them on the way, on the way here to, um, as I out with some friends, listen to them on the way here. And, um, you know, you mentioned how you got into those, like this type of music late and somewhere around 2012 ish, I kind of like started feeling like the genre got a little stale and stagnant. So now that I'm like listening again and getting more into like Spotify and new music, I'm hearing all of these albums that I feel like I've slept on, like, you know, like um, your movements, uh, the band can't swim, um, you know, real friends, the story so far, I feel like I slept on all of this awesome music and I'm just finding it all out a little too late. Well, fortunately like movements, they're only two albums in you're catching them at the right time. But yeah, that movements I absolutely love. Uh, they're a huge influence. I just, I love the emotive and tensiony guitar lines that, that they have. And they were a big influence on this, the two songs. So one year later uh, was a big movements uh, influence song. And same with ghosts, both those songs. I really like took to them for inspiration on uh, the songwriting. I'll have to give them another listen in and see what, uh, see if I can catch it and um and not for nothing dude like the EP is fantastic like thank I was you, listening you. to it to like review it and uh I just it just went into the I was just jamming along and I was like wait a minute this is the first <laughs> song again like it was just so seamless and there was no like drop off and 
you know, you could listen to it through like three times in a row and just still like jam out to it. So you did a fantastic job on, on this. That's sick. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so it looks like we are running a little low on time. So I want to make sure that you have a chance to um, plug your, you know, where you can find the EP, talk about what's coming out next for you, uh, where they can find you online, social media, all, all of that stuff, and anything else that you want to share with uh, my audience or the audience at, or the world at large. So the floor is yours. Yeah, everyone, please go check out Cohill on Spotify, Apple Music, or, or wherever you you, uh, you stream from. Uh, simply search Cohill. I'm going to be the only artist that pops up. So pretty easy to find. Uh, you can find me on social media, uh, Facebook slash Cohill Music, Instagram at Cohill Music. And then uh, I'm trying to figure out TikTok as well. So you can find me there if you're a TikToker at Cohill. Um, and yeah, stay tuned. I, uh, I'm currently demoing out some more ideas. Uh, I'm not sure on what the exact timeline for mu- new music will be, but, uh, uh, there's people I'm talking to to do vocal features and, uh, yeah, it, there's going to be a steady stream of music coming out after this. So, uh, connect with me on social media and, uh, let, let's, uh, let's see what comes out next. All right. And when you figure out TikTok, let me know, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we might have missed the wave on that. Um, so, too, I've like I come up with like a few ideas. I'm like, oh, this one's sick. This one's going to get a lot of views. And it gets like 50 views. I'm like, oh, screw this app. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Doug from Cohill, thank you so much for for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, so the album is called Volume One, maybe next year. And uh, yeah, look for it streaming everywhere. Um, so thanks again for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, guys. Once again, my name is Dwayne, and I am your host. Please follow the show on social media, Facebook and Instagram. It is at Beyond the Static Podcast and Twitter. It is BTS Podcast. Make sure to go to my website, www.beyondthestaticpodcast.tk. Sign up for the mailing list, see some reviews, and for some extra content. You can also support the show over at buymeacoffee.com slash beyondthestatic. The full video of this interview will be posted there. Anybody who signs up will definitely be getting a shout-out and some exclusive content for those supporters and members. I would love it if you could help make Beyond the Static a self-supporting entity and I can bring you more content more often. That would be the dream and the goal. But thanks again for all the support you have given me. I am very grateful for it. Have a great morning, noon, and night. I will see you all next time. And once again, I want to give a big welcome to those of you listening on Verbal. 